Turn with me to John chapter 4, and I'm not going to make you stand this morning as I do have quite a few verses that I'm going to read, which will set the stage for the rest of our time together. Amen. Uh, in the first few verses, Jesus, in chapter 4, Jesus got word that the Pharisees were finding out just what he was doing or what they perceived he was, was doing anyway from what was happening. So he left Judea and went to Galilee to a place called Jacob's Well. He stopped there because he was thirsty. And he was, he was starting to get thirsty, so he needed something to drink. And we, we begin in verse number 7, where he says, There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus, Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest, asketh drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria, for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go, call thy husband, and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that saidst thou truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say in, that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship what ye, ye worship ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. Amen. For the remainder of our time together as the Lord leads, I want to preach to you this thought. The elephant in the room. The elephant in the room. Sister Caitlin, will you grab that elephant for me? In Jesus' name. Shout out to my twin nieces for allowing me to use this this morning. Amen. Let's pray together. 
Jesus, let your living word preach the written word. Write your word on our hearts, O Lord. Help me to be nothing more and nothing less than a vessel for you and what you want for your people today. Lord, establish our steps continually. And I thank you, Lord, for what you're done and what you continue to do in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Amen. I do want to give a quick shout out to our bishop and first lady. We hope that they are having a very enjoyable time with their family over this Thanksgiving holiday. And we love and appreciate you both very much. And we are praying for safe travels upon your return to Omaha. Amen. Amen. The phrase, the elephant in the room, is defined as an obvious problem or difficult situation that people do not want to talk about. It can also be defined as an obvious problem being ignored or a noticeable issue that is not acknowledged or addressed. When we read this passage in John chapter 4, it was clear to Jesus the elephant in the room. The lifestyle of the Samaritan woman was about to come full circle. Jesus arrived on the scene at the well, and, well, he was thirsty. He needed something to drink, right? So he asked the Samaritan woman to give him something to drink. But he was going to make a point with that as he did. They conversed back and forth for a bit, which led Jesus to sharing with her that he was this living water. If you put yourselves in the shoes of the Samaritan woman, at that point you also would have asked to be given some of this living water, this water that had everlasting life. Amen. The cleansing water that creates in us a clean heart, that renews in us a right spirit. Amen. But it was that, it was what Jesus asked her right after she requested this living water to which the Lord has come to deal with today. And it's not necessarily the specific question that he asked, but rather the fact that Jesus already knew what she was doing. Jesus knew, she knew. But she didn't know that he knew. Now, rather than putting up a wall of defense and saying, who do you think you are calling me out about how I decide to live my life? Rather than continuing to deny it altogether, her response was simply, I perceive you to be a prophet. It's a good observation, right? Church, I understand that there are times where I come before you, where Pastor Jeremy, Pastor Lucas, Bishop Powell, and others come before you, and you hear these words that are preached, and you take them to heart in that moment. But before I take another turn here, I want to ask you, what are you doing with the word that was ministered to you on the Sunday afternoon following service? What are you doing with that on a Tuesday during a meeting? What are you doing with that on a Thursday when you and your coworker get into a disagreement? What are you doing with, the, with that when there's strife in your family? Does your desire for God go with you throughout the week when your family gatherings happen? You know, this past week we had Thanksgiving. For some, this can be a very enjoyable time. For others, this can be a very dreaded time. Right? I think we have a little bit of both in this room today. Okay, you go there thinking, man, I just want to get out of here as quick as I can. What can I, what can I bring up so I can just leave the room very quickly? And some say it's politics. Anyways, we'll move on from that. But you get what I'm saying here. So you, you, you come to these times together, <laughs> and you just, you, sometimes you feel like you have to be careful with what you say, right? Because you don't want to 
stir up any disagreements because you're not one to start those types of things, which, which, praise God, thank you for doing that. But there's always someone there that has something to say. Amen, amen. I won't, I won't dwell on that too much. But, but th- does your desire for God go throughout the week when these types of things happen? And you see, the Samaritan woman had a hunger for the living water to the point where she asked, how do I get this living water? How can I have this? How do I receive this thing you refer to as salvation? I've heard about it before, but not like this. Oh, church, salvation is not for the perfect saints. For if that were the case, I'm sorry to disappoint, but not a single one of us would be able to receive it. But it is for the woman we read about at the well, right? It is for those who are lost that desire to be found in Jesus. Amen. But the first, first something has got to be dealt with, okay? First something, you've got to deal with something. And as we read here, we see Jesus and we see a God of order. We read this passage and we see God is a God of order. And how many believe we serve a God of order? Amen. Why? Because Jesus first needed to get to the root issue that, as to what the woman was facing, as to what she was doing. He was about to expose the elephant in the room. Last week, Bishop preached about the conditional phrase, if. Do you recall that during first half? If you seek him, you will find him. If you seek him with your whole heart. He also talked about how God's goodness is conditional. You see, Jesus knew what the woman had done, but also had a plan for the woman. And church, Jesus has a plan for you. It's brilliant. And the best part is, you're a part of it. Don't you just love that? Not only does God have a plan for you, but guess what? You're a part of it. The promise of eternal life is for you. It is for you. It is for your children. It is for your grandchildren. It is for your great-grandchildren. It is for your neighbors. It is for your coworkers. It is for the thousands upon thousands of people that will drive by this very church on the interstate and 104th Avenue on any given Sunday. And Paul talks about this promise in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Turn with me there saying, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Having therefore these promises. Well, what are these promises? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let's go back a few verses to chapter 6, starting with verse number 14, where Paul tells us about these promises. Verse 14 starts, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness, and what concord hath Christ with Belial, or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel, and what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said, I will dwell in them, and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people." Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. So what are the promises? Well, verse 16, God hath said, I will what? Put it up there, Jeremy. I will what? 
I will dwell in them. I will what? Verse 16. I will walk in them. And then he says, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Amen. Furthermore, in verse 17, he says, I will receive you. And finally, in verse 18, I will be a father unto you, and you will be my sons and daughters. Amen. Oh, church, having these promises that we just went over just moments ago, we need to be clean, not only be, but we need to remain clean. I'm not just saying we won't or can't stumble along the way, but the difference between having the promise or not is your choice. You see, sometimes we, we go throughout our weeks and, and we think, I've just got to stay like this so I don't get into any trouble. But somehow trouble just seems to find you. Am I speaking to someone here today? Trouble just seems to find you. You see, you see, Terry, when you're trying to walk upright, when you're trying to walk in the truth, the devil tries to come along and say, hey, Terry, you're not worthy of that truth. Hey, Terry, you're not worthy of the salvation that I have for you. You're going to make a mistake today. And you might make that mistake. But we serve a God. We serve a gracious God. We serve a holy God. We serve a God who will forgive you of those things. Amen. We serve a God that if you ask him, he will forgive. If you ask him, it's no longer there, but it's your choice as to whether or not you're going to walk in that promise because that promise of eternal life doesn't say, I have to be perfect. I have to stand there and not move. You know, when we talk about um, waiting on the Lord, when we talk about waiting on the Lord, it's not just standing there. Okay, Lord, any time now. No, it's continuing to live your life, but making sure you're living your life according to what God has for you and what he wants to do in your life. And along the way, you walk along and you see these little things in your path that try to stumble you, and then you begin to recognize them more so they don't make you stumble again. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, it's your choice as to how you will respond. I don't claim to know what your elephant in the room today is, but Jesus sure does. He knows what your elephant in the room is. I don't claim to know it. I don't know what you're trying to hide from everyone. Most importantly, Jesus. But I have news for you. He already knows. I, I want to tell you to stop, stop trying to put that aside and say, ah, I don't know if I'm ready to deal with that yet, but it's time to deal with it now. It was time to deal with it yesterday, but the time is now, church. Whatever it is that you may be trying to, that you just neglected for so long, and I'm not even talking about something that you're doing, okay? You may be going through the worst life situation that you, you've ever gone through in your life. You may be going through literal hell. But I'm here to tell somebody that if you've got the Lord with you, if you've got him on your side, which he is on your side, amen, if you've got the Lord on your side and you call on him and you lift him up just like we did, he's marvelous, glorious, omnipotent, and mighty. We praise him, we lift him up, we exalt him, we extol him. If you're doing that in the midst of those situations, you're going to get through. He will see you through it every single time. He already knows the person sitting next to you may not have the slightest clue what you're going through, but Jesus does. 
And I want to address the feeling that may be coming over you because I, I rebuke any and every condemnation that may be trying to infiltrate what God is trying to do. Because it's, it's, it's just like the enemy to say, nope, you're not worthy. Nope, you're, you're not, you're not going to be able to make it. Because he tries to plant those things. Amen? Anybody there? Hallelujah. You know, God wants to do something in your life right now. And whatever those condemning thoughts have to go, they have to leave. And the love of Jesus abound in each of you. Don't put up those walls to block out Jesus. Don't put up those walls to block out what he has for you. Because all he desires is all of you. Jesus wants you to receive his promises. We serve a merciful God. We serve a God who is waiting for you at the door. We serve a just God, and we serve a God of order. One thing that God has shown me that needs to be dealt with today is the subject that we don't hear all that often, but it's something that, that, that needs to be uh, addressed. Jesus tells his disciples in Matthew chapter 5 that if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has aught against you, leave it there. Go and be reconciled with the brother before you offer that gift. Jesus says if you have an issue with someone, put your gifts down and take care of it. Take care of the issue. Now, that's quite a strong rebuke from Jesus, one of the many. Amen. But, and, and it's getting very personal. Why? Because we serve a very personal God. Amen. You know we serve a personal God. He, he's a big God. He's a mighty God. He's an all-powerful, almighty, but at the same exact time, He is right here with you. He hears your prayer. He listens to your cries for desperation. He stands closer than a brother. And since He is so personal, He already knows. He sees you right where you're at. He sees you right where you're going. What's more, he sees where you've been. Oh, the Lord desires to transform you, but will you receive it? Will you allow conviction to rest on your heart? Or excuse me, will you allow conviction to reset your heart and mind? Or will pride get in your way? The Lord is doing a work in someone here today. I know this isn't the hooping and hollering message that you were expecting, but the Lord is doing a work in someone here today. This silence tells me so. Elder Kennedy, he's doing a work. Dana, he's doing a work. Pastor Lucas, he's doing a work. Kim, he's doing a work. He is doing a work in you. Go ahead and let him. His promise is for you. He wants to abide in you. But do you want to abide in him? In the 15th Psalm, a Psalm of David, David writes, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart. 
He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor, in whose eyes a vile person is contemned, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord. He that sweareth to his own hurt, and changeth not. He that putteth not out his money to usury, nor taketh reward against the innocent. He that doeth these things shall never be moved. O church, how can one walk uprightly except he be following and listening to God? Praise team, I want you to make your way up here quickly. To walk uprightly means to follow completely. That is to follow the Lord completely. Not follow just anything, but follow the Lord completely. To worketh righteousness is to do what is right. And I hope you're seeing a theme here because right along with that is to speak the truth in your heart. Oh, church, if you desire to take up residence with God, then he has to take up residence with you. He has to take up residence in you. The Lord longs to abide in you today, church, but not just today, not just tomorrow, but Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and back to Sunday again in all things at all times. Amen. Like the woman at the well, there are some here today who have a desire for God to dwell in them. And God wants to deal with your elephant in the room. He wants to deal with that that you don't want to deal with, that you've just been putting aside for too long. He wants to deal with that thing, for lack of a better word, that is hindering what he has for you and his promise for you. He wants to address it so that you can put it behind you for good. Let's all stand together this morning. Go ahead and begin to allow God to make that change in you. You may be here today. You may be here today with something so heavy on your heart that you just need to get rid of. That you just need to give to God. Because God can take care of it. But it's only if you make that choice to give it to Him. You may be here today and your hunger for God is so strong, but there's something that's at home that just needs to go. Please allow God to work that out. Work that out between you and God. But allow him to make those changes that need to be made. Come on, call on him right now. Say, Lord, if there's anything that is hindering my walk with you, please make me aware of it right now because I want to draw closer to you. I want you to deal with my elephant in the room. I want you to deal with that thing that I may not even know is hindering me right now until you bring it to my attention at this very moment. Come on, church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. He's merciful. He's holy. He's mighty. Let him be your all in all. Let him be your everything. Let him work that thing through you right now. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, you are holy. You are awesome. And God, we call on you. You are my way maker. You are my miracle worker. And Lord Jesus, if there's anything, oh God, that I need to... If there's anything, oh God, that I need to deal with right now, Lord, just please, please show me. Because as the Lord, as the Lord shows those things to you, He's not going to leave you hopeless. He's not going to leave you helpless. He's not going to leave you thinking, what am I supposed to do next? Because where He leads and where you go as, he, as you follow Him, 
He's going to show you these things. And as you deal with those things, there's new things around the corner for you today. Come on, let's worship Him.